Welcome to the show, where my friends and I tell real-world stories of otherworld magic. My name is Peyton, and I'm into it. Welcome, everyone, to I'm Into It. My name is Peyton Turner, and I am here today with a dear, sweet soul, Kim Reese. And uh, we're going to talk to her about her intuition. So welcome. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy and excited to spend this time with you. Oh, man, you're so welcome. I just, you were on the uh, on the quick list of people. When I started creating the idea for this podcast, there were a handful of people that came in really quick as like, yeah, absolutely. That's the kind of energy I want. Oh, and you were one of them. And it's really funny, Kim, because you and I don't know each other really well. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're in the same intuitive community in, in Louisville, and which is a, I want to say it's a small community, but it's not. I think it's a large community with smaller, like, it's like a large territory with, with individual tribes. <laughs> yeah, I get that. But we kind of run around maybe in the, in, the, in the, if not in the same tribe, then similar tribes. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I think energetically, you know, we, we're uh, kind of similar. And, um, so yeah, I just, but yeah, you were, it was an easy no brainer to have you on. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Well, you're welcome. So, and I was thinking about, you know, before, um, before the call today, I was thinking about how we, how we know each other. And really, I think that you started doing your intuitive work pretty close to the same time that I started doing mine. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to take... And I know that you've probably evolved a lot since then. So it's been about two years or so, yeah. give or take. And so just, you know, if not just for selfish, selfish reasons for me, just let's share what you're doing and, and what you're, where you're, you know, how you're practicing your, your mediumship. And I know you're into numerology. So yeah, just let's, let's get caught up here for a second. So what, okay. what are you yeah. about? So, um, I'm a psychic medium, as you know, um, I am a past life regressionist. I'm extremely passionate about past life work. I think it's, it's very healing. It's been very healing for me personally, Mm -hmm. and it's been incredible to be able to facilitate other people healing and understanding themselves a little bit better through witnessing and re-experiencing past lives. So I, I love that kind of work. Um, I'm a numerologist, as you mentioned. Um, uh, I, I've always really loved numbers and been fascinated by quick math. And I, I don't know, it's hard to really even explain it, but I've always been drawn to it. So being able to study numerology the last year and a half or so has been really fun and exciting for me. And, and again, being able to, to provide this tool to um, help other people understand themselves a little bit better is really important to me because, um, you know, sorry to go off on a tangent. I mean, I'm a number three life path and I'm a Gemini rising. So give me a platform and I'll talk your head off all day. But, um, so, I mean, what I heard was blah, 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 blah. Give me a platform and I'll talk my head off. So I love that. I mean, what, it, what that tells me is that this, this practice has given you access to better understanding of who you are. Exactly, exactly. And so this, this work has really set me on a journey of understanding myself better. um, And and being able to realize that all of these things are just tools, you know, like astrology, numerology, readings, um, 
past life work, you know, all of these things are tools, right? So all of this information and the ability to heal is already within, within us. We don't need a guru to tell us uh, what we need to do or what we have to do. It's all within us already. But what I'm finding is that these tools are helpful. Um, they help kind of stir what's already in us and, and help us to understand it in our conscious minds, bring it forward, you know? Um, and so in being able to do that for myself, I, um, have have really enjoyed being able to offer these tools to people I work with. You know, I, I love being a psychic. I especially love being a medium. Um, but what's really important to me is empowering other people um, to understand that they're powerful too. They don't need to come to me and spend money with me to be able to uh, do healing work as well. So. Oh, I love that. Okay. So there's three things here that I've already, I've got, oh, oh my gosh, this is such good stuff. So there's three things. There's number one, the psychic mediumship. Number two, the um, the past life. So I'm going to set those aside because um, I want to I want to extrapolate on those a little bit. But the thing that is that I just love is, and I was literally just talking about this this morning with my good friend Ronnie about how um, a true healer and a true leader is somebody who empowers other people to find the source within them. And I love this whole, like, I've been saying this, of course, it's not a coincidence, but I feel like I've been saying the same sentence. You don't need a guru, right? Yeah. Like, you don't need a guru. You are your own guru. I think I even made a meme about that. If I haven't, I'm going to, because that there are so, there are so many people out there who think, or who um, hang their entire hat, their, their entire emotional being, their entire spiritual being on the moves of a of of gurus and honestly you are your own best guru and i think that that I, that's maybe that's why i'm so drawn to you is because you have that same kind of um that same kind of drive is to empower other people you know like i'll i'm going to teach you the tools and then i'm going to step back and let you do it like you don't need me right yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's so much a part of American culture too, is everything's quick, you know, and, and, you know, sorry not to get political, but I'm a political person. So it's hard to spend time with me and not, but I think that's also part of capitalism, right? Like mm -hmm. there's competition. I've got to be the best. I've got to take this. I've got to own this. And if, if someone else owns it, then it, it hurts me, you know? And so this is the culture that we exist in. And, and I think because of that, it has us constantly seeking these answers outside of ourselves, oh, um, which I, is confusing. I absolutely believe that. The thing, the thing that I that really, um, it's so ingrained in us, and it's it is so crippling to us as humans is this concept of if I better get mine before somebody else gets it. Like there's not enough to go around. And being now in this spiritual practice, like you are, what I realize is that abundance is everywhere, and it is abundance creates abundance. So it's not like there's a, a limited amount of money out there. And if Kim Reese doesn't get as much as she can, then I'm going to take the rest of it. You know, there's no, it's, it's abundant. Like everybody can have everything that they need. Yeah. And capitalism is like legit the opposite of that. And I, and so again, I don't want to go down a political train. I, I mean, I really, I can, I can jump on that train and, 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 and drive it cross country with you. But, but yeah. And I, and I also think, you know, from, from the, from the 10,000 foot view, um, 
what my spiritual practice has done for me, which is heavily rooted in shamanism, is kind of like it's a return to the natural way of being. Mm -hmm. So when you speak to the capitalism and everything happens so quickly and everything, you know, it's like you can press a button and Amazon's got it at your door like that day. Right. Um, we don't learn, we don't trust ourselves anymore. We, we're just so used to getting things from other people. And we're so used to, we just don't, we, we don't learn to trust ourselves anymore. We can't, it's really subtle the way it works, but that's what happens. And so in, in my practice of, of shamanism and actually my spirit guy, Blackhawk is a native American Indian. And he's been like super huge and getting me back to this place of, Oh, wow. The natural world really truly has everything. And, 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 and we are part of the natural world. So there, we do not need to seek outside of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that. And, and I think you also make such an interesting point, especially when you give Amazon as an example, it's like, we're so used to everything being instant. It's like you order something on Amazon prime and it's at your door in 24 hours. You know, um, you post something on social media and then people start liking and commenting on it. Like we're conditioned to have things happen very quickly. And with this kind of work, which I think also includes personal healing, it's just not, a, there's no quick fix. You know, like if you're embarking on um, this journey of personal healing, it, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, I think some clients come to me and maybe come to you as well. Um, and they want a quick fix. You know, they're like, I can't figure this out. I'm going to go to somebody else who knows more than I do and have them tell me what to do. Um, and on one hand, I love the idea of going to somebody who knows more than you do, because that's how we all learn and grow, right? Like, yes. we all never want to get to a point where we know everything. Um, but it's like, it, it oversteps that line of like, um, you know, you've just got to kind of do the work. And there's no one way for everyone to do the work. It's going to look different for everybody. It's going to take a lot of time. Your traumas are going to peek through, especially when you think that you're there and you've, you know, settled all of those things. And um, so, yeah, I think that's another thing that's really hard for us, at, at least in the culture that we live in, is um, patience, you know, not having everything happen instantly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, Oh, there's just so many, so many good nuggets in this conversation already. Um, you know, speaking of time though, you know, we are, we are consumed with getting things instantly and, you know, being a psychic medium, being a past life regressionist, being a numerologist, you know, all, all of the spiritual being, you know, having a shamanic practice like I do, all of these things, the spiritual work actually is the way that we heal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, and healing does take time. And, and spirit time is vastly different than human. I mean, the timeline that we have of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, that's all a human construct. Right. Time really in spirit world is obsolete. There is no tomorrow. There is no yesterday. There is no next year. Um, and, and we try to figure it out with our human brains, but in actuality, it's going to take the time that it takes. Yeah, that's it. And and it might take our whole lives, you know, I mean, probably it's going to take our whole lives. Yeah, honestly, you know, so well, so, 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 so on this topic of time, I want to come back to um, your passion for doing past life regressions. Mm -hmm. I also have found them to be incredibly healing and, and a, a different lens through which I can look at my own life, this life that I'm living in my own personality that I have this time around. 
And so I and and so I want I want you to expand on that. And I also want to throw in um, this quantum physics concept that actually we're living all of our past lives superimposed together. You are speaking my language, Peyton. Right. So so I just wanted to throw that out there because it's been fascinating to me to think about. Well, I lived. I know I had a past life in ancient Egypt right? Like that's one of my things. And I also believe that I had a past life um, in in the Salem witch trial era. Wow. And according to quantum physics, I'm actually living those lives right now. Mm -hmm. And this is the one that I am currently aware of my Peyton Turner sitting in Louisville, Kentucky in 2020, January, 2021. But in actuality, I'm actually living all those other lives at the same time. Right. Well, and do you tell me what you tell me what you think about that from your perspective and the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I agree with with you 100% on all of that. And and I guess I'm not a scientist the way that you are. I'm fascinated by it. But um, so please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, or if, uh, if you know, you have thoughts on this too. But, um, you know, it's like the idea of light traveling, right? Like, you know, even those who've passed away, those we love in this current life who are no longer here in in a body with us, somewhere out in the universe, they technically, that body still technically exists, right? Because light travels and travels and travels and travels. And so somewhere those people still exist, right? And Mm -hmm. so I feel like it's a similar concept with our past lives, because all of those lives live within our soul. And so it's like the same... I I at least feel like it's a similar concept where um, this soul that's currently residing in my body or around my body, however, you know, the physicality of that works, um, is the same soul that lived these seven, eight, nine other lives that I've been able to remember and process. So, um, so yeah, I, I would agree with that, that like, of course, we're still experiencing those lives, right? Because the energy that lived in those lifetimes is still energy, right? The energy never stops. It continues to move. So that's at least the way that my gears kind of turn on it, but I'm kind of curious from your, especially scientific perspective, what you're thinking. Well, it's funny that you, the way that you've described that, I'm just thinking of this for the first time is that there's a rule that says energy can neither be created or destroyed. Right. And from a science perspective, from a purely scientific perspective, um, there's that rule energy can, cannot be created and it cannot be destroyed. It just changes form. Yeah. And scientists will agree that we are energy. I mean, we are electricity. Electricity is energy. I mean, literally, you know, my background is in cardiology and um, I can tell you right now that, that the heart will beat on its own. I mean, it has its own electrical pathway. It's only going to beat at like 20 beats a minute. So it's not going to beat much, but it, but it's, it's crazy. I mean, so we have an electricity is energy. So we are all, we are all energy. Matter is just a really condensed form of energy. So when the physical body dies, the energy transforms into something else. Mm. And so it makes sense from that standpoint that, yeah, if, if our spiritual soul piece um, is also energy, which I believe that it is, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. It just, it just changes form. Yeah, which is really cool to think. And and I love that idea of, you know, whether you whether you're seeing whether quantum physics says that all of our lives, we're living them all at the same time, like superimposed upon each other. 
or whether it's more like you say, where um, I still have the energy of my last past life with me. So therefore I am still living that past life. Doesn't matter. What matters is if that energy is happening at the same time, or if it's still living within us, there's, there's power to heal it. Yeah. Agreed. And who's to say that both of these concepts aren't the truth? Right. And like we know so, the more I, the more I know, the more I know that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I had this great, and I'm just going to diverge here for a little bit. I took this philosophy class in college and, and there, the, the teacher gave me this great concept of knowledge. He said, if you were in a dark room and you shined a flashlight on the wall, there would be a circle of light on the wall and all of the light inside the circle is what you know and all of the dark is what you don't know and so the the perimeter of the circle is the line between what you do and don't know so if the circle gets bigger if you increase your body of knowledge you're also increasing the perimeter of the circle so you're actually making you're actually the more knowledge you get the more you don't know yeah. The more you're on that line between what you do know and what you don't know. Yeah, right. So as we continue to do this, I mean, this is true for me, as I continue to do this intuitive practice, it's like, oh my God, I'll open a door and be like, holy shit, look at what's in here. I didn't even know this. I thought I saw everything in this house, but oh my God, there's a whole nother room over here. <laughs> and probably a closet in the corner that, you know. Oh, and like another house attached in a second, third, fourth, fifth floor, you know, you just, it's just endless. <laughs> That's so cool. And I think, I think uh, what I, what also is really fascinating about that concept is like when I'm picturing, you know, a person in a dark room, it's like the closer, the closer you are to something. Um, I don't know, maybe the more control you have over it is uh, it, you're closer to it. Right. So the, the circle is smaller so as you begin to like step back from it and look at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Um then, then your knowledge gets bigger, right? And I think that that's a really interesting, uh, I don't know, concept with this too. It's sort of like the more we begin to like step back and remove control and loosen our grip on things and, yeah. and kind of, okay, yeah, I'll step back. The more you kind of start to expand your knowledge base too. I love that. Well, tell me about, since you're really passionate about it, tell me about the past life healing. Like, what does that look like for you? Like, and the people who are watching and listening to this right now, consider that they know nothing about what a past life is um, or what a past life regression is. So like your elevator, elevator speech about, what, about how, how this works. Okay, yeah. So I guess to give it a little context, especially, you know, if we're, if we're you know, talking with folks who um, aren't familiar with it, my personal experience um, in life, I'm going to just give one example. I've, I've been with my partner now for 15 years. We've been together since I was 18. And, um, and so we've spent a lot of time together. We have a very close relationship, obviously, all this time together. Um, and about uh, 10 years ago, maybe even more, honestly. Um, well, actually, let me, let me back up even more. The first moment I saw him, I had a physical reaction. Like my face got flushed. I started laughing and I was sitting in the cafeteria in college with my friends and they were all like, are you okay? Like what's happening right now? Um, 
And I didn't know something just overcame me. And now, of course, I can look back with perspective where I'm like something very deep inside me recognized him. Mm -hmm. And so that experience has always been very clear and very vivid to me and, and very profound where I'm like, there's something at play there that my, my brain can't understand. So then, you know, back to where I was just heading a second ago, um, I found myself grieving my, he's now my husband. So I found myself like grieving him. Um, and it sounds so strange because he's alive, you know, he's in a body. We lived when together. Was this, when, when was, when was this in the timeline? So you guys met at 18, you recognized him. And when did you, when did you find that you started grieving him, even though he wasn't gone? I want to say like maybe my, maybe my mid twenties, you know, um, 23, 25, especially though, it started getting stronger and stronger pushing into my later twenties. And so the age timeline might be, you know, lined up with a past lifetime that we've lived together where maybe I lost him in that kind of age or time frame that we've known each other. Um, so I was like, why am I feeling this way? And, and of course, at this time, I didn't know really anything at all about, you know, manifesting and spirit and all of those types of concepts. Um, and so I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to make this happen. I'm thinking about it so much. I feel it deep inside me. I'm going to manifest it. I'm going to like end up causing him to die, you know, all these unreasonable thoughts, but I, I didn't know what was happening. So uh, my brain was making sense of it best I could. And um I saw, I saw another medium late 2017, I think it was. And so this was a few months after I'd started having my first really strong experiences where I was like, what is happening to me? Um, and we were talking about my husband and, and I would be moved to tears very, very quickly talking about him as if he was a person who had died. Um, it's did, you ever, did you ever discuss this with him? I mean, did you ever... So did he have any clue what was going on at all? No, this was all just residing in me. It was like this building anxiety and scariness building inside of me. And so um, I hope that this, that this is even making sense because I've never really articulated it from start to finish this way. Um, but I saw this medium and was, and was talking with her about my husband. And I think I was even crying then. And I, I, I think I might've mentioned to her, I don't know why I feel this way. I, and at that point I had lost a close friend, a close friend of mine earlier that year. And um, my dog had passed away as well. And so at that point I was, you know, in grief, you know, I was grieving. And so at that point I was able to recognize, I feel like I'm grieving him and I can't understand why. Mm -hmm. And she was like, because in a past life you did lose him. And she kind of described what she could sense in that lifetime, what had happened. And like that, I'm like, not, I'm not kidding. Like instantly I was like, yep, you're right. That's it. And I, ever since then, I felt differently about it. It's given me context to think, okay, that's why I'm feeling this way. I, I could like pinpoint the source of that energy mm -hmm. um, and make sense of it. And ever since then, I've been so fascinated by past lives. It's like almost she, she opened like a door for me because then I started having my own past life memories on my own. Um, I, I got to the point where like, 
a house I lived in in one of my previous lifetimes when I was a healer, I could like look around and like step outside and look at what my home looked like. Um, and so then a few months after that, I um, went to a certification uh course class um to become a certified past life regressionist to be able to offer it to other people so um yeah and so tell me about well thank you for sharing that story i i guess did you ever tell your husband about it like after i mean or is this like going to be the first time that he's hearing about it (laughs) he's a fellow air sign so we talk about concepts and science and spirituality like all day, every day. So, um, like that night, the medium had recorded the reading for me and then emailed it to me. So when I got home that night, I had it on my email. And so he and I sat together and listened to it. Um, and it was just kind of mind blowing and kind of fascinating. Um, and he and I talk about past lives. He's very supportive with everything I'm doing, which is really special. Um, and so he's, he doesn't always understand what I'm telling him, but he tries his best to, and you know, even if he doesn't get it, he still supports me. But, um, but yeah, so I guess that's my long way of saying like, no, this won't be the first time he's heard of it, but, um, but yeah, does that answer your question? It does. It really does. And I think it also highlights something that's really important is that, um, is that the, we do the healing work and we are also healed in doing the work. Yes, 100%. I, I guess that was the next logical place for me to go with this, that it provided me so much healing. And so it was like, I, first I wanted to be able to facilitate in, in others finding that same type of personal healing, but two, it does like simultaneously heal me too, mm-hmm. um, to be able to help people in, in that way. Um, and I think it, it deepens the connection to myself and deepens the connection to my soul purpose, which is, um, is really beautiful. So, um, yeah, I hope that's helpful in, in people who aren't familiar with past life work, at least understanding a little bit about it, like how it can feel ahead of time that like, there's this, this inkling or this emotion that you just can't pinpoint. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, there, it, the, the, information is all stored on your hard drive. You know, it's stored in your soul. It's just a matter of accessing that file and clicking on it and opening it up and, and being able to read through it again, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it, and so the process itself looks like, like when I have somebody come in, um, to do a regression with me, mm-hmm. it, it kind of is like a guided meditation at first, the first 30, 40, 50 minutes. Um, we're going through this really in-depth, guided meditation to get them to a place where their body is relaxed. And so their body starts to feel like it's falling asleep and then is asleep. But then because I'm um, facilitating and speaking to the person and periodically asking them really easy questions, their mind stays active. And so it's like, we're able to access that subconscious place where we're typically, we can only access when we sleep you know, um, and maybe through meditation, anything where your body is really relaxed and you're in that like trance state, we can access that place. Um, and so at that point we start working with that person's intention of what they're wanting to, um, experience. So then I facilitate them, um, re-experiencing 
a past life. Sometimes it's, it's a meeting with their spirit guides. Sometimes it's meeting with ancestors and loved ones. It can look different um, for everybody, but we just kind of trust like what's supposed to happen happens. So, um, so that's, what the that's, so that's interesting. So you, you take people, you guide them as they take you to, to their past life and yes. you're trained, you're trained to, to help them help you basically. Yeah, right. Like, I, it's like I'm trained as the facilitator. As the facilitator. And then um, do you ever, so as that's happening, because I, I know that also you've been able to see some of your own past lives. So as you're sitting here facilitating this um, process for a client, are you also getting downloads on their on their past lives? Are you seeing imagery or are you just in total facilitator mode? I pretty much stay in facilitator mode. Um, I, I don't know, maybe at some point I'll kind of integrate and do it all at once, but it's, it's sort of like my logical brain likes for things to be really organized. And so when I'm in that facilitator mode at this point, I tend to take more of a grounded approach. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of that is not wanting to take ownership over their experience um, because- That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, like I, I want them to fully experience it and not need me to tell them what mm -hmm. they need or what they see. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm pretty much just in facilitator mode when that happens. But, but I will ask them for details. So, um, and for their own use, you know, um, right. because hypnosis is involved in this process. And so when you're hypnotized, um, you have a lot more autonomy than uh, we tend to think, you know, like, it's not like, Oh, guide me around. I, you know, it's not like that. You're still yeah. very much in control of all of your faculties, but you're like waiting for the facilitator. You're waiting for someone to kind of guide you where to go. And so I ask for details, um, you know, like look around, what do you see? Look at the other people. Where are you? Um, so it, it, it kind of helps I guess my questions for them help build the picture in their mind. And then when they're answering, I can kind of picture it in my head. But as far as if that's the truth or not, I'm not really sure. Cause I'm just not like tapped into my psychic medium self. Yeah. In those moments. What is, um, can you share without, you know, um, and you may not be able to answer this question, but I'm wondering if you could give an example of probably the most profound healing experience that you have been able to facilitate for somebody with a past life. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint just one. Um, Hmm. Yeah. And of course I like to keep things um, private for people. So, uh, you know, I would never say names and I know that's not what you're asking me to do anyway, exactly. but um, gosh, Peyton, it's so, it's so hard to, to say because, you know, some folks I've um, helped them, you know, find their spirit guides. So they, they connect with their spirit guides. They get all of these downloads of, of where they need to go in life and what they should be doing and mm -hmm. um, support for what they're already doing. Um, I mean, I've, I've had people slip into a place where um, there are like traumatic things that have happened in their childhood, um, mm -hmm. but they blocked, they blocked it out. You know, they, you know, our brains of course want to protect themselves. Um, and so in that experience, 
they, they could see what happened to them as a child mm -hmm. and be able to make more sense of it. Um, and so that was a really profound moment. And of course, I'm not a mental health professional. So like, um, I, yeah, I, so how do you, how do you feel in that moment? Cause you're thinking to yourself, Oh my God, I was going to, this is supposed to be a past life regression. And actually I'm going back to this, this lifetime, but a significant childhood trauma Yeah, because that's happened to me before. And I've been like, Oh shit, what do I do? I, I not thinking that putting my, putting my preconceived notions that this is going to be bad. And in actuality, when you're in that state, it's, it, it's actually a place where you can look at it without being attached to it. And, and that, that's where the healing happens. So speak to that a little bit, because now, now you're tuning in on it. You've got somebody in mind where they had some, some current life, early childhood trauma come up. Yeah. So tell me what that was like without, you know, divulging about who it, who it is or, you know, giving away any kind of identifying stuff. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, I agree with you 100%. And you stated that so perfectly. We're like, you're, it's not scary. It's not scary to re-experience these things because, you know, like I said a minute ago, our brains want to protect themselves. And so your brain doesn't want you to like re-experience the trauma of it. Mm -hmm. um, but what this process does is it lets you re-experience it from a removed perspective. It's almost mm -hmm. like you're a neutral third party watching it happen, mm -hmm. which helps you make more sense of it because you're not living in it with the emotion or the physical pain or emotional pain. Um, and so that was the experience that this client of mine had that, um, you know, she was uh, re-experiencing it through a different perspective and she wasn't scared. She honestly didn't even ask for much of my help. I was, you know, as a facilitator, I'm reminding her I'm here. I'm reminding her this is safe. Um, she's not feeling pain. She's just watching. Um, and uh, yeah, she, she didn't really need my help, which was, which was really interesting. And afterwards, she was very relieved. It was like this sense of like relief and understanding for something that she had been wondering about for decades you know it was yeah. like something in her thought something happened but she just couldn't place it she couldn't remember it and so it was like she had this sense of relief um and and of course i think it's worth mentioning that um we're, we're shown what we need to see and so you know i've had a past life memory where i experienced very intense physical um and sexual trauma and in those past life memories i didn't see i didn't see the trauma itself i i, I could see what happened leading up to that and then the, i was a very young person at the time and and um, the person closed the door in the room with me and kind of locked me in there. And, um, and I'm sorry, I hope if this is triggering for anybody, I should have, I should have probably said trigger warning. So I'm sorry. Well, um, you're saying it now. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, anybody that's feeling triggered by this, I see you, I respect you and sending love to you. Um, but that's where the memory kind of cut off. I didn't see what actually happened in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, I then saw what the rest of my life looked like after that happened. And yeah. so you're, like I said, your brain's not going to let you go to a place that's going to re-traumatize you. Your brain is working to heal itself. So um, the process is really fascinating that way. Um, and I think that too, um, in speaking to the client that you had that experienced the healing in that way, I think there's two things. And this is so much of the work that I do with my coaching uh, with women. 
um, is you get to see you get to um, see the traumatic experience from place of observer, which then gives you power and control back over the situation. Yes. Number yes. one. Number two. Then it answers some. I mean, I think there are so many people who are like, God, I don't feel right, and I just don't know why, and I feel like I'm. You know, when you have all these hazy memories or hazy ideas and, and, and you think that there's, and you, you almost get to the point where you feel like you're going crazy and then you can look at it and be like, oh my God, that explains so much. And then that's where all of a sudden you're not a slave to the haziness anymore. You have power and control back and you can work on then having compassion for that piece of you that was, that experienced the trauma and you can work on reintegrating um, that piece of you that experienced the trauma. And that's really, truly the value of it. I think. I agree. I think that's so well stated. Yeah. I had a, um, I had a, an, a memory of a, of a past life. Actually, it was the one with the Salem. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with the Salem witch trials. Don't ask me why, but I have been. And then all of a sudden, one day I was sitting at my dining room table and I, I was flipping, I drew cards for myself and I, I flipped over a card and it was that, um, I don't even have it up here, but it was a deck. It was like an angel card deck and it just said past life issue on it. And it was a picture of, I don't know, an, an angel baby or something. I don't even know what it was. And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, I saw it. I was, I was being burned at the stake and I never, just like you said, they never like spirit protects you. Your brain protects you. I didn't feel the burning. I didn't relive that whole experience, but I, I could feel what happened as they were roping me up. And the person who I thought was my closest confidant was actually the one who sat there and watched me burn. And I had a relationship with that person in this lifetime too. And it all hit. And I was like, holy cow, that makes so much sense. And I was like, oh my God, what an asshole. <laughs> you know, at the same time, I'm like, okay, clearly there's a pattern there with this, with this particular individual and now it's over. But, but it was super powerful just to have that image. I mean, it was just like, woof, just like an image. Me standing there as a witch that got accused being about ready to be burned at a stake and somebody who had said that they would support me was actually the one who turned me in. I mean, it was and just watched me burn. And I thought, man, this explains a lot. <laughs> it, it sounds crazy, but it really did. And it, it helped me let go of some things, you know, that I didn't even know I was still holding on to. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't that funny when you're verbalizing it to another person, you're like, this sounds crazy. I promise I am not like losing it right now, but it's so real. It's like when you experience it, it's, it's akin to like remembering your 21st birthday, you know, when you're like, huh, what happened on my 21st birthday? Oh yeah. That person was there. I think we went here. Mm -hmm. That's what past life memories are like. It's like when you yeah. start to focus on them, they, just start kind of coming back to you. You remember who was there. You remember where you were. Um, it's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And, and, I, and, you know, just some of the things you said, I, I, uh, I, I would imagine that you were so interested in the Salem witch trials when you were younger because you experienced it, something yeah. and you recognized that and you were like, Oh yeah, I want to look more into this. I want to learn more about it. Um, and I'm also curious. And of course, please, 
only share what you're comfortable with. But um, I've had other clients who have been like afraid of their intuitive abilities. They've sort of like hidden from them. They've engaged in like self handicapping, you know, um, and, and they've wanted to know why. And so we've, we've worked on um, past life work and um, literally all of them that I have worked on this, issue with have been able to retrieve a memory from a past life where they were being persecuted and punished for doing like healing energy work. Um, and so I'm curious if that helped you make a connection of, um, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever been afraid of doing this work or kind of yeah. avoided it or ignored it. If you think that maybe that life experience could be related to your current life experience. No, I think that life experience, um, the short answer is no. That particular um, past life that I saw that I believe that I lived, um, I don't think made any difference in my current practice, um, spiritual practice as a a spiritual healer. What it did um, give me access to was um, my relationship with this particular person that was going to be my next question. And it also, you know, and I'm not, I, could, I could go down the religion rabbit hole too, but I've never, I, I love um, religion and faith. And I think that in order to be in this work, we have to have faith. And, um, and we know that there's a, a greater uh, divine power of love that's orchestrating this whole shebang. Um, but I've never felt comfortable in, um, in church or in any kind of formal construct of religion And I think that that is tied to that past life, you know, yeah. like my kind of whole, like, Oh my God, you know, I mean, because we, you look back at Salem and the, the, you know, the, the women who were burned were the women who spoke out against the tradition, spoke out against the patriarchy, practiced other healing method out methodologies other than the ones that were approved by the religious leaders at the time. And that speaks more to me as a human being of kind of like, you know, at that in that life in that lifetime, my voice was squashed. Yeah. And in yeah. this lifetime, at one point my voice was squashed and now no more. So that's kind of what it gave me access to. Is it was like no long here's what happened the last time. You know, it just freed up a whole lot about being able to speak my truth and and that kind of stuff. So and it explained some some uncomfortable feelings I have with formal religion. So yeah. All of that oh. makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, and what a beautiful concept too, that in that lifetime, you weren't able to overcome that and move past it. But what an amazing soul growth moment to in this lifetime, of course, you know, not, not great having experienced what you experienced, but how wonderful that you were able to overcome that in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. I just think that's probably such a beautiful soul growth But that's what we all do, right? I mean, we all, we all um, have contracts, we all have spiritual growth, and each lifetime is an opportunity to, um, to heal and to grow. So, yeah. Did it help you make more sense of um, the relationship with this person? Absolutely. It was like, oh, that's how that that's I mean, I just, what it made me realize is I, I thought to myself, well, how did I get into a relationship with this person? I'm smarter than that. And I'm like, oh, I'm just repeating a pattern, you know, not even just a pattern from this lifetime, but a multiple lifetime patterns. And so, this 
time you were able to overcome it. Exactly. The last, it, so this was a do-over. This was my chance to do it over and actually, you know, be able to speak my voice and be able to be heard and, and to stand up for myself. So yeah, hundred percent. Super so beautiful. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, I know. Good well, for you. So now we are, um, I would love for you to, um, well, first of all, I tuned into you before, before we started this call with your permission as always, and you have no idea what I got. Um, but I would like to, um, I would like to talk about that real quick. Yeah, I would love that. I'm very curious to hear what, you know, came up for you. It's so funny when when it starts coming in, right? Like when you know you're going to do the intuitive work, all of a sudden it's like in the hours before the meeting, all the the information starts to come in. So of course I was in the shower, right? Right. (laughs) And the first image I got, the first image I got was of you as a little girl jumping rope. Hmm. And then I heard imaginary friend. Yeah. And so I feel like if I were to interpret it, which I know better than, than to interpret it, but it, but the two images were tied together. So I think they showed me the image of you jumping rope to reference the fact that maybe around that age, which I thought was around eight to 10, you had an imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 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 So, so tell me about it. So, and this is really funny that, that you're bringing this up because, um, uh, just a little bit of backstory. About a week ago, my husband and I um, were looking at some items that I have from my both my grandma and my great grandma, neither of whom I, I met in this lifetime. Um, and so we started just like researching these items because they had stamps from the companies that made them. And then we got to talking about um, my experience with my great aunts. So my great aunts were the sisters of my grandma who I never met. And then the daughters of the great grandma I never met. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent a lot of time at their house. I was between the age, definitely as a, a, a little one, like, you know, three, four, five, especially five, six, seven, um, and probably a little bit, you know, into the, like the eight, nine age, um, you know, the, the numbers, of course, I'm a little fuzzy on, but I remember like kindergarten, first grade age, spending a lot of time um, at, at my great aunt's house. Um, you know, the two, two sisters, they lived together and they lived together in their childhood home that they grew up in. Um, and Ooh, I, was I just got chills. I like speaking of witches, man. Woo. Yeah. That whole, that whole coven of women, man, I feel like for you that that's like, (laughs) like I could spend all day talking about this part of my family with you um, because female empowerment was huge for them. Like Mm -hmm. my great grandma raised all of the kids on her own. Her husband died of diabetes. It was before, you know, insulin was commodified. Um, and so she raised all of these kids on her own. There was one son, the rest girls, um, all the girls, uh, had driver's licenses, had college degrees. And of course, you know, I sh- it's worth mentioning there was, there was money with that side yeah. of the family. So they, they were able to do these kinds of things, but you know, uh, they didn't want to just be like socialites and have tea. Like they were educated, yeah, they traveled, they had college degree or, um, they had driver's licenses and, um, and most of them never married. I mean, my grandma married and had children. That's why I'm here. Um, but the majority of the women in the family either married and didn't have kids or um, marry, or I'm sorry, never married. And so there was a lot of female independence and empowerment from that side of my family. And I spent a lot of time with these women when I was at such a tender age, you know, five, six, seven. Um, and 
I, I, so this, you know, I'm finally getting to the point, I guess. Um, <laughs> I sidetracked. Okay. Yeah. So, um, that, that part of my family just fascinates me so much. So I can really get carried away with it. But I had imaginary friends that lived at their house. Like I had imaginary friends only at my great aunt's house. And, um, now looking back on it with, you know, newer perspective, uh, I think it, it had to have been my family members that, that I never met, you know, their mom, their sister, my grandma. Um, Do you remember what they looked like? I mean, because you, so here you are a young girl, like spending time at your aunt's house. And so what, what is an imaginary friend for you? Where the, could you see them or could you talk to them or are these just, it was so natural to you that you don't even remember it being a thing. And now here you are as an adult and your family's like, Oh yeah, Kim had imaginary friends. She's, we used to hear her talking to them in her room. Like, how does, how does that look? So, um, I don't remember what they looked like. I don't think I ever saw them, but I could sense them and perceive them. And that's actually, I've never made this connection until just now. So thank you for this. But, um, that's actually how I work now with my mediumship. A lot of times I don't see what someone looks like. I, I like perceive them. I yes. sense them and I have this like really deep inner knowing. And that's how those, uh, friendships felt at my great aunt's house. It was like, I knew they were there. We were like communicating on this, um, like extra physical level, you know, on this intuitive level. And they were just there. I just knew they were there. Um, Oh, I love that. I had a feeling that would probably be it. But I mean, when I heard the words imaginary friend and I'm like, okay, I bet it's gotta be right. It's gotta be it. Yeah. And I think that the imaginary friends happening in that setting too, where there was so much um, like strong female uh, feminine energy Mm -hmm. that that helped shape who I am, you know, like, um, yeah. So it's really interesting. (laughs) I have a feeling that whole, I'm going to call them a coven. I feel like I need to call them a coven of women. Um, It's really, really proud of you. (laughs) <laughs> thank you thank you I've I've uh gotten that sense as well but thank you for saying that too yeah the next thing that I saw and I don't know why and this is funny because the next two things are similar to um some of the imagery that I saw um when I interviewed Jenny Shanks so it'll be interesting to see if if this is a theme here and it's also significant for you or if it's left over from her but The next thing I saw was, and I had to look it up to see what the name of it was, but it was called the Jolly Chimp. And it was this toy that was made in the, in the fifties and the sixties. And it looks like a little monkey. And we used to have one and it's, it's hands have symbols in them that clap like this and it's little lips open and close and it's eyes bug out. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So they showed you that. That's so funny. So do you, my brain's going a couple different directions. So do you, does it feel like a Christmas kind of thing? We, we had, my grandmother had one and, and it only came out at Christmas time. Okay. Yeah. That's so interesting. So, uh, my brain is going a couple different directions because I don't personally have a close attachment with that toy specifically. Um, 
but you know, it does, it does. I'm just going to share with you what's coming to mind. Um, and it doesn't have a whole lot to do, I guess, with mediumship, but it has a lot to do with who I am as a person, you know, like I, I have a very deep connection with animals and now I've been able to pinpoint that that's been growing for several lifetimes now. Um, I've always felt very safe with them. And so in this lifetime, it's been very important to me to recognize the sacredness in animals and respect them and see them as individuals. And so I find it so problematic, you know, when people like use animals for like entertainment or, um, you know, for our own selfish purposes. And so I don't know, I feel like maybe that was a moment for me when it's like an animal entertaining us, you know, yeah. like doing something that's not natural for them. Um, it's like, you know, the circus, like, oh, I'm here to, to be entertained. But, uh, you know, but this is such an unnatural and abusive situation for the animals involved, you know, so um so that's what comes to mind. Uh, but I do switching gears, I guess, to Christmas time. I, I feel two ways about it. And again, maybe this is the Gemini in me like popping back and forth, but, um, I, I love Christmas time. I think this, the spirit of giving is very special. Mm -hmm. Um, I gift giving is one of my love languages. And so I, I just really enjoy that, that time. I enjoy being at home. I love Christmas lights. I love the snow. Um, but I also think that there's like a fine line with Christmas time, right? Like the capitalism starts to seep into it, like yeah. spend more than you're able to, um, you know, like competition, who can buy the best gift. And, and it's so far removed from what it sounds like Jesus really preached and how Jesus lived his life, you know, the Absolutely. like, uh, extravagance of Christmas time is very far removed from, from Christ and his teaching. So, um, and, and, you know, the animal stuff is something that very much lives deeply inside of me. And then the Christmas stuff, um, we just had Christmas. So I've been thinking yeah. about the kind of warring concepts in my head. So I think it's interesting that you, uh, picked up on that energy through um an image that meant something to you around Christmas yeah I was going to say to me that's what it I think that's the connection because that that chimpanzee I haven't thought about that toy in 15 years I mean my my grandmother the one who owned it has been has been gone for six or seven years and and prior to that we hadn't had Chris she hadn't lived in her house for six or seven years so wow. um so for me to think of that toy, I mean, it was something that we only saw around Christmas time. So maybe that was it, especially if you've been, if, if fresh off of Christmas, you've really had this whole, like, man, we really are missing the point here. Yeah. Kind of inner internal dialogue going on. Then maybe that's what the spirit wanted me to, to kind of, to stoke it a little bit. I think so. And, and one more thing, Peyton, too, uh, the grandma, the grandma presence, the grandma energy is very meaningful for me, too. Um, my grandmas are very much a part of my both grandmas are now um, on the other side. So um, they both have been very, very significant in my spiritual journey. Um, my grandma, who I never met that I mentioned before, um, was very vital in, in uh, my learning process. And, um, and then I think now she's preparing to come back as, um, as one of my children. So I, I can sense. I feel like I did a reading for you on this before. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe you have. I feel like I did. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't want to go down that sidetrack, but yeah, I feel like I feel like that that sounds correct. Your grandma coming back as one of your kids. Yeah. Yeah, and so maybe that's it too. You know, I my my uh, physical self wants to go right to like, let's talk animal rights. Let's talk the problems. <laughs> But when I get into the the spirituality of it, you know, my grandmas are very, very special to me. And, um, and I'm hopeful that I get to re-experience, you know, this lifetime with my grandma in that way as my child. And um, so so I think that the grandma portion for you, when you tapped into your grandma's energy and something special with her, um, makes sense too, that, that I have a really special spiritual relationship with both my grandmas too. And then the last thing they showed me was, and, um, was this diamond and it was, um, it was a specific cut and I had to go look it up cause I know nothing about the cuts of the diamonds, but it just was spinning in this perfect, there was nothing holding it. It was just spinning around and all of the facets, it was sending rays of light out. Um, and I went to look up the cuts of the diamonds to, cause I could see it. I know what the fit, what it physically looked like, but I didn't know the name of the cut and so I went and Googled the different cuts of diamonds and none of the cuts looked like what I saw. And then I heard hope diamond. And so then I Googled the hope diamond and the hope diamond is cut in an antique cushion cut. My God. Okay. This is funny. Do you want me to start a bit more? No, yeah, so that's it. So I don't know if they told me the hope diamond to get me to the cut of the diamond or if the hope diamond is the thing that is specific. I feel like, they showed me the diamond with all of the light coming out of it. And it was just kind of floating in the air and spinning on its axis. I had to go and look for the cut because the cut was specific. And in order to find the specific cut, I heard hope diamond. So that's all, that's all that it was. So fascinating. So um, I have a diamond ring that belonged to my grandma. The one I was just speaking about that I never met in this lifetime. And it's actually the ring that my husband proposed to me with. Um, Yeah, yeah. So that ring's very special um, in so many ways to me, especially because it belonged to her. But um, but it's it's a very old ring. I don't know who it belonged to before she got it. Um, But somebody somebody somewhere in my family had to have owned it before her because I recently took it to a jewelry store to get it cleaned and get it and just be sure the setting was kind of tightened up Mm -hmm. um, because I could tell it's a really old ring and yeah. uh, my grandma died in the eighties. So, um, it's at least 40 years old. So I took it to this jewelry store to have it tightened and, and, and worked on. And when I went to pick it up, um, the jeweler who's very knowledgeable, um, told me that it's, it's, I think he called them old world diamonds. I I can't remember, but, um, they stopped making them that way in 1910. And so, um, the cut does have this like I think cushion look to it, the the minimal amount I know about diamonds. I think it has a cushion look to it. Um, but it's a very antique old, old diamond. So, um, and and yeah, that belonged to my, my granny Franny. So cool. That's so cool. Let's hear it for the grandmothers, right? All the feminine energy, you know, without the damn grandmothers, man, they're so amazing. I know. And you know, Peyton, I think that 
women were always meant to be in charge, you know, like, I hate to say in charge, because in charge itself sounds like a very patriarchal word, but women were, were natural born leaders, you know, we have this, this strong feminine energy about us that is, um, it can be stern and to the point, but it, it also has a, a softness to it typically. And um, yeah, I think women were always meant to be in charge. So, uh, you know, power to the matriarchy, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, let's shift to the matriarchy. Doesn't that sound good? Yes, please. But the grandmas led the way, you know, the grandmas are, are they led the way when they were here alive, and they're still leading the way from the other side. And, and, you know, mine specifically, I think is going to cycle back and, and, uh, be a child in this in this new age in this age of Aquarius where like my god the young people are really going to get things done I think so it's really cool to think I about agree. it well, all right Kim so that's that's what I have for you and um you were going to share a little bit about numerology um yeah so um so yeah so so tell us what you got okay so uh for those who don't know what numerology is or, or aren't too familiar with it, it's um, like the occult study of numbers. And, and it's the idea that every number has a significant um, specific vibration associated with it. Um, and so with that thought, everything can have a numerological vibration to it, a name, a street, a city. Um, and so numerology is looking at, at the numerological vibration of things. So, um, so, uh, you know, we have, we have our personal numbers, like your core numbers that, that you're born with, you know, these intrinsic energies, um, that you have to kind of give you, give you uh, a little boost along the path that you're supposed to walk this time around. Same with your astrology, but, um, but yeah, so, so those are the most important numbers. Your personal core numbers have the biggest effect on you. And then we have, um, something like we have various cycles. So, so we, we cycle in and out of, um, of different numbers throughout our lifetime. So we've got like a personal year we cycle through each year. So that, that has some strength to it. And then as we continue to kind of like move out from the center, mm -hmm. um, we have what's called the universal year. And so the universal year is not nearly as powerful as these other numbers, you know, more towards the, the core that we've been, you know, moving out from as I'm describing these. Uh, but the universal year is still important. So um, in numerology, we add all of the digits of something together. We just keep reducing down until we have a single digit. So last year in 2020, if we're adding two plus zero plus two plus zero, that's a number four. And so number four um, is all about like hard work, dedication, limitations, um, learning how to work with limitations instead of against them. Um, <clears throat> spending more time than you think is necessary working on something, but staying dedicated to it anyway. Um, you know, a number four years, a lot of times are attached to like economic issues, job loss, job scarcity. And so looking back on 2020, I think it's pretty fair to say that that's the kind of energy that, that we can all agree on that we were living in last year. Mm -hmm. So this year, as you know, we're getting started into 2021, um, we're moving into a number five universal year. So again, we're adding two plus zero plus two plus one, which equals five. So number five is about 
freedom and change, um, more like independence. And so um, I think in a number five year, what we can expect is a lot of change, a lot of shifts. Number five is a very progressive number. And so I think we're going to see um, some progressive change, changes happening this year, um, you know, maybe on the governmental level, maybe in our personal lives, maybe even we just start thinking differently. Maybe we, our minds open up to think about concepts and, and other things in new ways, you know, more, more um inclusive ways that we haven't thought about before. Um, number five also really likes travel and new experiences. And so I think this year we're going to be presented with a lot of newness. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we're all probably going to be itching to travel this year um, because that's the energy that comes along with number five. But also, of course, because number four, a uh, number four year in 2020 didn't really allow us to do that very much. Um, I also think that we're going to be paying attention to some more international activities this year um, because five does kind of open our minds and broaden us a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so that'll be kind of interesting to see if all of us as individuals start paying a little more attention to um, either the impacts that, that um, you know, Americans or American life has on the rest of the world um, but also just kind of paying attention to what other people are doing and thinking around the world. Um, but, but yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of change this year, a lot of shifts. And, um, and like I said before, new opportunities, maybe this is a good year to switch a good, I, I don't even know why I say maybe this is a good year to switch jobs, to start a business. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of us, especially who own our own businesses or are starting to work on owning our own businesses are going to be presented with new opportunities this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say about, you know, a number five year is five, uh, wants freedom. Five does not want to be tied down. It does not want to be told what to do. Um, and so I think that we're all going to be kind of working on, personal freedom, but also sort of community and global freedom as well. And, um, and, and we want to use that freedom constructively because five can be a little bit of a scattered energy. We can kind of have all these new interests and new opportunities, um, but we want to be sure we're using this, this newfound freedom in a constructive way and not wasting it. So um, I yeah. Love I love that. And let me just a uh, couple of questions. Um, so when you're moving from a four year of 2020 to a five year of 2021, is there kind of some bleed over from the four to the five? I mean, because I feel like everybody's like around the New Year's, they were like, bye bye 2020. Don't let the door hit you on the way out in 2021. Welcome in. And it's like, and it's just literally 24 hours is, has, I mean, just because we're now in a new year doesn't mean that the energy of last year isn't, is all of a sudden complete. Exactly. So do you see an, from a numerog numerological standpoint, is there some kind of transition bleed over? And, and I guess in retrospect, that would be, that means that the five-year energy, does that start moving in towards the end of the four-year? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. So energy builds and then energy, it, it's kind of like it waxes and wanes like the moon. It doesn't just happen like that. Um, so yes, exactly. Uh, maybe even like end of October, but definitely November, December, we can kind of start feeling that energy for, for the new year. Um, and then January, February, we're still kind of having that number five new energy build. So yes, exactly. It, it, it waxes and wanes. It doesn't just, you know, 
the, the clock strikes midnight and poof, everything's yeah, different. Everything's different. And I think that the one thing that I want to offer that has helped me get through um, the past year and really truly my life in general right now is how I try to, how I try to live my life is to really just trust my own intuition. Like, mm-hmm go with the flow. And when I mean, go with the flow is trust yourself, right? Like just that deep inner voice being flexible, being, being willing to being willing to try new things, being willing to consider new possibilities, because that's what it sounds like is being offered. Absolutely. Peyton, 100%. I love that. Yeah. Because five is a very flexible, adaptable number. And um, because it's an odd number, it's a little bit more focused on the self and and not in a selfish way where it's like me, 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 everything's about me. But it's, I I think going to put things into more context, like how do I as an individual fit in or relate to all of these other things that are happening? So yeah, I think what you just said is so, so on point with a number five. Well, and then also too, what's coming in for me and going into this next year is that coming out of last year, going into this next year is that everything that it's in my life, um, I want it to light me up. Like I want to be super excited about it. And if it doesn't light me up, then it's not a big part of my life. Even yeah. down to like getting rid of clothes and books and rearranging furniture. And when I think about how I want my business to look for um, the next year, I really want to get really essential about focusing on the things that make my heart sing Yeah, and, and doing those things, because that is what it sounds to me like that's what five energy is all about. And that's also what the world needs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's so wonderful. And I think it also would be curious to know what personal year you're heading into as well. It's a one. I think it's a one for me. Oh, well, then, of course, you know, that makes so much sense. (laughs) My birthday is is 212. So it's your birthday is February 12th. Yeah. Mine, too. Wait, did I know this? I I think I'm hearing this for the first time. I think you were an Aquarius, but I didn't know that you were February (laughs) <laughs> so oh my cool. well yeah um, so it's okay. one year of course we get along <laughs> so um yeah so that's so funny I'm heading into a number one year as well and so um so yeah number one is about like it's a number one because it's February 2 12 1 mm-hmm. 2 so we've got 2 plus 1 plus 2 which is 5 and then entering into a five year so it'd be 5 plus 5 which is 10 to reduce it to 1 so you would actually use, yes, yes. Okay, yes, you're exactly right. I just was taking a minute to compute in my head. You're exactly right. Yep. So, so we're coming out of a number nine year. Number nine is about like compassionate, compassion, humanitarianism, helping other people, intuition, mm-hmm. um, wrapping up, you know, a nine year cycle. And so when we're moving into a number one cycle, it, it's a fresh start. So we're at the beginning of a nine year cycle. Um, it's about independence, individuality. Um, and so I think that really refocusing on, I'm going to spend my time doing what makes me happy and not doing it only for the sake of other people um, and making my business, you know, a little tighter, a little bit, you know, more the way I want it to be that that's major number one energy. And so number one and number five work really nicely together. Yes. (laughs) Well, listen, Kim, I can't thank you enough. This has been so fun. 
It's I just had some really, fun. really fun. And, um, and thank you for being willing to let me tune in and thank you for, um, this is a really great insight and discussion. It's just been a joy. And so please tell us how, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So, um, following me on Instagram is a great way to keep in touch. Um, Kim, Kim Reese readings is my handle, but also my website, um, Kim Reese um, and it's okay. Reese with a C, not an S. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so both of those are great ways to keep in touch with me, learn more about me, touch base if you want to chat, um, all the things. Really great. And I'll put the um, I'll put your website and your Instagram handle in the show notes. So um, so our listeners and our our uh, viewers can see it there. So um, again, it's just been a joy. Thank you so much. Yes. And thank um, you. this has been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. Absolutely. And again, uh, this has been Kim Reese and my name is Peyton Turner and we are both into it. 